You are listening to the AP United States History Podcast. Good evening and welcome to this installment of the A Pushing Podcast. With our podcast, we hope to motivate the youth in exploring the vast topics and themes that are part of the countless years of American history. I will be your host, Jackson Kadensky, for today's episode. Today, we will explore the story of why and the rationale of American imperialism. As I am not nearly informed enough to cover this whole topic, I've decided to invite an expert and professional in Jackson Kepner. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Kepner. Do you know, do you have any initial thoughts? Thank you, Mr. Kandensky, for inviting me on the show. It's a pleasure to discuss the vast topic of imperialism and how it connected with Hawaii. I feel that I have been able to develop a deep sense of knowledge on the history of Hawaii and its annexation through my time there and my research. As an American historian, I have also been able to study other countries that the United States has annexed, such as the Philippines, Puerto Rico, Guam, and American Samoa. Now, Mr. Kepner, as I've begun to preview and begin my own research on Hawaii and its annexation, I've been able to develop a central question for today's podcast that I am personally curious about and I'm sure our listeners are curious about, too. How did the annexation of Hawaii benefit the United States at the time, and what are the continued benefits? Well, those questions have a close connection to the general idea of imperialism. So countries always look at how their actions toward annexation may be worth it um, through short-term and long-term benefits. Uh, This certainly wasn't an exception when the United States decided to annex Hawaii in 1898, I believe it was. But before we delve into the benefits of the annexation, I think it would be beneficial to give our audience some background about the whole annexation process. Yeah, I think it would be very beneficial. I know from my brief research session that it was a struggle to annex Hawaii, but can you please go into some detail about the process and struggle to annex Hawaii? Yeah, I'd love to. So um, the annexation of Hawaii certainly wasn't an easy process. As you may know, the spirit of American imperialism and the desire to expand beyond the contagious state borders were often disliked by those who the U.S. wished to encroach upon. Um, both natives and rebels fought to avoid the United States' imperialism, like anyone who would want to uh, independence and freedom. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So when did the red, white, and blue get involved? So the involvement of the United States in Hawaiian affairs began in eight. 18- 1887, um, following the ascension of King David Kalakaua to the throne, uh, Hawaii was at the time a monarchy, and therefore the head of the state was a king. Um, so King Kalakaua signed a treaty of reciprocity with the United States, allowing for Hawaiian sugar to be imported into the U.S. duty-free. Um, during this period of time, American businessmen had been taking interest in the islands and disliked the king, which led to two political factions: um, the white business want, sorry, the white businessmen of the United States versus the native Hawaiian people, of which Kalakaua was their king and leader. Um, following the king's death in 1891, his sister Lilu Okalani ascended to the throne. The white businessmen and the U.S. minister to Hawaii, a diplomatic emissary, saw that the queen, new queen um, is not a strong leader and pushed for a new constitution to be drafted. So, what was another main drive for? America to get involved? 
So after a while, these calls um, developed into calls for annexation by the U.S. Uh, the rationale for this action being that Hawaii's agricultural <clears throat> agricultural industry could benefit the U.S.'s economy. Uh, as the rhetoric of these American businessmen grew, a detachment of Marines from a nearby American warship, the USSS Boston, was deployed to Hawaii. Um, upon their arrival, they enacted a bloodless coup, uh, resulting in the Queen's removal from power. In defiance of the U.S. government, Minister John Stevens, the aforementioned minister to Hawaii, recognized the newly established provisional government, um, largely made up of the same businessmen who had supported the establishment of a republic, as well as annexation. So that is a lot of context for Hawaii. But how does this correspond not only with the American side, but also the American side in terms of government? Well, a treaty of annexation was signed by President Benjamin Harrison, um, but was withdrawn by his successor, President Grover Cleveland. So Cleveland was not in favor of annexing Hawaii and had the events surrounding the changing government uh, investigated. Though it was ordered that the Queen be reinstated to power, the newly Harrison President of the Republic of Hawaii, Sanford Dole, argued that this was an undue overreach of the United States government's power and that they were to refrain from interfering in the internal affairs of the Hawaiian government. Um, vociferous protests from the native population regarding the change in government mounted. Um, once these protests grew violent, Lilu Kualani was imprisoned for refusing to intervene in the riot. The delegates of the Hawaiian government then signed to um, an annexation treaty with McKinley, and the treaty was proposed to the Senate for ratification. Um, so basically, in the end, a joint congressional resolution was proposed, which subverted the need for a Senate supermajority and allowed for the annexation of Hawaii, which remained as a territory until 1959, when it was admitted as the 49th state for America. Golly, I had no clue that there was so much history behind a piece of America stranded in the Pacific. Anyways, thank you for the detailed context. But let's get into the juicy stuff, shall we? So now that we know how an Hawaii was annexed, what short-term benefits the United States hoped Hawaii would reap? Why were they so invested in the imperialism of Hawaii? Wow, those are some good questions. So the United States hoped that the annexation of Hawaii would help in terms of economic or military purposes. Um, in the case of Hawaii, the original reason was the potential for agricultural value as a result um, of the ability for sugar exports, as we already discussed. Um, the reasoning for annexing Hawaii eventually came down, however, um, to the defense strategy. Um, the U.S. sought at the time to incorporate Hawaii as a territory so that naval assets could more easily be deployed into Pacific and Indian Oceans for conflicts in the Oceania region, namely with the Filipino archipelago. And this goes along with um, some of the imperialism uh, catalysts for America. I noticed through my brief skim through the internet that these short-term plans from the United States actually turned out to evolve into some additional routes, if I'm correct. And then they could use Hawaii as it was now a part of their country as the 49th state. Is this true? How did the United States build upon and use Hawaii later on after its annexation and statehood? Well, um... Yes. So important to mention that during the imperialization process of Hawaii, the United States was able to dominate, dominate and control the area and their wants for it. Um, this was due to the Guano Islands Act um, that was enacted in 1856. So basically through this act, the United States was able to set itself up to invest in the area and control the benefits that they wanted out of it. Um, the, the act allowed any American to claim on behalf of the United States any previously unclaimed island that <clears throat> had guano, which is bird feces on it. 
Um, in fact, the act still continues to have a moderate impact on geopolitics and economics. So um, this exclusive right to plunder the resources immediately surrounding these islands in the Pacific area for a distance of 200 miles allowed the U.S. to have the sole fishing, exploration, and research rights over them. Um, the concept of exclusive economic zones set out uh, by the United Nations Convention for the Law of the Sea uh, allowed generally uninhabited territories that were owned by the U.S., uh, legally defined as insular areas, to uh, following the convention in 1982 to become fairly profitable due to the accumulation of guano and the ability to fish in the area, as the U.S. had no burden to maintain these areas, as they were completely unpopulated. So the United States' original plans to mainly use Hawaii as a sort of military base diminished <laughs> as they started to think about how they could make money and incorporate their citizens into the plans. <clears throat> so that is all very beneficial, but we all know how nice of a place Hawaii is to stay at. Could you expand on the tourist, tourist aspect of Hawaii and what it has done for America? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we all know, another modern benefit is the value of these places for tourism. Um, through the people of the 19th, though the people of the 19th century likely were not able to travel feasibly due to financial hardships um, or expensive travel costs, the people of the late 20th and early 21st centuries very much are. Um, so tourism is now Hawaii's biggest industry. Um, to no one's surprise, uh, though Hawaii still supports the U.S.'s pac uh, Pacific military and defense strategy, and it is an integral part thereof, um, the most notable modern accomplishment of American imperialism, specifically in Hawaii, without a doubt, is tourism. So, um, according to the Hawaii uh, Tourism Authority, roughly $2.07 billion was generated in tax revenue solely from the tourism industry in Hawaii in 2019. Um, furthermore, 10.4 million people visited the state in 2019 largely from North America and Japan. These statistics show that Hawaii's benefits to the U.S. no longer stem from agriculture um, or military, but tourism. Um, for these reasons, it can be asserted that even if the past points in support of American imperialism were few in numbers, uh, the benefits to our country in modern times are undeniable. It's really crazy to think how different our country would be without Hawaii, whether that is without all the fruits that they produce each year, such as bananas or pineapples, or the landscape and resources that it offers to make it one of the most coveted vacation spots for America. Hawaii also certainly had tons of military action with events like World War II. Despite the rocky imperialization and annexation process, Hawaii has become integrated into our American history. And hey, maybe one day I will be able to go to Hawaii with the mess of COVID in the early stages of 2021. Yeah, hopefully. It was such a wonderful experience. Um. I hope that our audience was able to take away a lot of um, a lot away from our discussion and are able to explore more about Hawaii um, outside of this podcast. Absolutely. You gave us many great details and facts that our brains have been able to consume. I want to personally thank you for being able to take some time and join us out here in the studio. I'm sure that our staff is grateful as well. Before you leave, I want to ask one more question and then open the floor for you to give some shout outs or tell us where we can find you in our free time. So generally speaking, was it worth it to go out and get Hawaii for the American people? Absolutely. Um, it has brought so many benefits to the American nation that we discussed. Uh, like most things, time will tell and show us if Hawaii has even more benefits for the United States. Um, also, it makes it a really cool uh, vacation spot and it looks really cool to have an even 50 stars on the American flag. Um, and again, 
Thank you for inviting me. It has truly been a pleasure to come out and educate the people on something I am actually uh, so passionate about. Um, you guys can find me in the Loyola Blakefield Library where I do uh, most of my studies. And you can catch me updating my followers about imperialism on my Instagram at History Brain Food. Sorry, I know it's dorky, not clever. Well, I think that wraps everything up. We would like to give a special thanks to Mr. Manelski and the A Pushing Podcast for letting us come on and record this podcast. In addition to this, we would also like to thank Mr. Kepner and his partner, Mr. K, who helped with the research behind the scenes. I get too much credit for speaking what they give me. Mr. K accredits this information to archives.gov, AmericanHistory.edu, WideTourismAuthority.org, and History.com. Thank you for tuning in and learning about imperialism and the annexation of Hawaii with us. Next week's episode will involve World War I. With that being said, our podcast has ceased. Thank you, guys.